Hi, Liam. Hi. How old are you? Five. You're five years old? Oh, my goodness. Question for you. Why is Tenny's Pizza your favorite pizza place? Because of Oreo pizza. You like the Oreo pizza? What's on the Oreo pizza? What makes it so delicious? The white frosting. White frosting? It has Oreo cookie crumbles, white frosting, a delicious pizza crust. The dessert pizzas at Oreo or at uh, Tenny's Pizza are fantastic. Oreo pizza, they got a tookie. I challenge you guys, if you're in Utah County or Salt Lake County areas, to hit up Tenny's Pizza tonight. Treat your kids to the Oreo pizza or the tookie. They will thank you later. Tonight, we record with Felipe Zurita. He is a freaking stud. You guys are going to love him. He came over here from Chile to go to school, and since then, a lot has happened. I'm really excited for you guys to hear about his nonprofit organization that we are going to begin partnering with through Brighton a Day and through Finding Strength. So I'm excited for you guys to get introduced to Felipe. So without further ado, here it is another fantastic episode of the Finding Strength podcast. You want to say something? What do you want to say? I like podcasts. Me too. I like podcasts too. Though you heard it. Thanks, Liam. Enjoy this episode, guys. Welcome back. Finding Strength Podcast. Here we are. See, you always start it, so then I don't even know how to start it. It sounds all weird. You're, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Everybody um, knows once we hear the Bethany giggle. I know. That the podcast has begun. That's like the starting I, I am a giggler. Like, <laughs> and that's on like weekends or anytime we go out and have fun. Like, I giggle like crazy. Like a little girl. It's really weird. <laughs> It's endearing. Like, sometimes I'll it's hear, we, we do like Marco Polo stuff all the time, you know, with our friends. <laughs> uh-huh. And every time I'll hit someone, I won't know they're Marco Poloing or something. And then I'll listen back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound like I'm these 10 year old little girl giggling <laughs> in the background. I giggle a lot. And it just gets worse as the night goes on. Oh, we love it. We love <laughs> it. We absolutely love it. We're here with our friend Felipe. I don't even actually, I don't think I yeah. know your last name. Oh, Zarita. No, I do know your last name. Mm-hmm. That's right. Felipe and I met at Drew Manning's house. Drew was having a party. Uh, Felipe was the bartender. It was super fun night. Man. And we just like hit it off. I just like connected with you immediately because, you know, I served my Mormon mission in Argentina. And Robbie comes over. He's like, you got to meet this guy. He's from Chile. He's got the coolest story. And we started hitting it off. And I was like, oh, you should come on the podcast. Well, Your story is incredible. Say, I was at the same party. And separately, we met Felipe. And I yeah. was like, I love him. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. So I was pretty stoked. I was like, good job, Matt. Super we did, cool. We did just ask him. Right? You should always tend up to be like the, the most lovable person in the party if you're serving the alcohol. You know what I mean? That's like, true. <laughs> Felipe, true. Felipe was the bartender, which is why me and him were really good friends. <laughs> super buddies from the beginning. I yeah. love it. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it, man. Well, we're super glad to have you. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Um, Last week, we talked about um, yeah. parenting. 
which we did. I couldn't even listen back to it. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't want to hear what I said. Why? Because <laughs> we were giving like parenting advice, and I'm like not a good parent. Like I'm that parent that like cusses at their kids, and like I mean they're eating Burger King downstairs in your house right now. Like this is how we roll. Well, but maybe maybe instead of saying that it's a bad parent, you, you, you got different standards. You got different way of raising kids, and that's how you should look at it. Because I like really, that. like Boom, Felipe. what is the standard? Like who I is telling it. you what is a good parent and who isn't? Like. Nobody, and that's true. I don't yeah. feel like people ever say anything negative to me. I think it's it's me. Yeah, I, absolutely. This your is own, like the story of my life is my head. Your own judgment of yourself yeah. is your biggest problem? Yes. Join the club. <laughs> that usually probably makes you that's feel like how, a conscious person. Yeah, I mean, if no. you didn't have that, you'd probably be more like a sociopath. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or I'd be really fun all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be fine too. Anyways, it was, it was fine. Actually, I had a couple um, guys that I work with say they really loved it. Yeah. And they're like, it was really good. I'm like, oh, good. So it was helpful. People love when we do the questions thing and answer questions. And I actually they like that too. That. Yeah. We should do it a little bit more often. More. So Felipe, mm-hmm. Matt got to talk to you more than I did that night. Yeah. So I want to hear <clears throat> where you're from. Mm-hmm. Kind of just like a little bit of like growing up, what your family was like. Like yeah. I like to know, you know, where you fit in in your family. Like. Yeah. What number of child? Did you have siblings? <laughs> Just all those things kind of make up who you are. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was born and raised in Chile. Um, born in Santiago, moved to the north of the country when I was 15 days old with my parents. I'm the first of three kids. Um, my parents were pretty young when they had me. I mean, pretty young, like... 27, 20, around that age. And I, I feel like that's pretty young. I, mean, I, love, you know, I love that standards, you think that's right? young. <laughs> it's like considering like if we're talking about Utah County standards and like, man, they're like in the last draw. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, <laughs> those are old geezers. They're like retiring, man. Can they have kids? Can they have kids? <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. true. Yeah, yes. no, so oh. I was the first one of three. Um, I have two younger sisters. Um, both of them are really good friends of mine. Um, we, my, my dad is a mechanical engineer. He's worked in mining most of his life. My mom is, um, I want to say it's like a school therapist. It's, uh, it's, I don't know if the degree is here in the U.S., but like she... a counselor kind of thing? Sort of thing, like a counselor. Or? deals with. It's like psychology, but for children in education. So trying to help them understand how they can learn things better or figure wow. themselves out and how to use their train of thought in a more positive way instead of feeling like, oh, I'm ADHD and I'm screwed, you know, or something like that, you know? So like trying to see different ways of how they can figure out, like, their condition and then use it for their own benefit in education. So... Educated parents, they've always been very encouraging for us to be educated. Um, and I, I, I think it was when I was, I was probably like 13 or 14. I was going to a private, a private school down there with my sisters and um, a couple of my friends that were, I was a freshman in high school and a couple of my friends had just gone back from exchange years, foreign exchange years. They did like a six months or a full year in the U.S. Most of them did it. And um, I was in love with the idea. I've, I've, since I was a kid, I always wanted to to speak English. I always wanted to come to college in the U.S. for some reason. Maybe like you know this whitewash thing from the Hollywood and the movies. <laughs> and all that, you yeah. know, just like it's so it glamorous. Was, yeah, I need those stars in my life. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I decided to I decided to come as a foreign exchange student. Um, I ended up you you pay this program and they place you. You know, depending on your qualities and your personality, they do like this test and they try to match you with some sort of family that is willing to take an exchange year uh, exchange student 
And I ended up matching with a family in the White Mountain area in Arizona. For those that don't know about it, it's like super snowy up there, like six months out of the year snow. So really? it's in it's in Arizona, like in the northeastern part. Existed. I learned how to snowboard in Arizona. That's kind of <laughs> like a, when when people say that. I mean, when, when I say that, people are like, "What in Arizona?" Trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was we were close to the reservation. I think it was the Navajo. No, Apache. I think it was Apache or Navajo. One of the two. One of the two. But there's a lot of other reservations around it. But those were the big ones. Um, and during that time, I I improved my English. I knew English already, but I definitely improved it pronunciation wise you know before I was talking like this and it was very hard to understand me a little bit you know oh, I love that that is a sexy accent Felipe no it's got to be like this to be sexy <laughs> yeah no. yeah you know you can use it for your benefit every once in a while but yeah, I'm so sure. I, I, I was I did I did school year. I mean, I did school there, and um, I don't know if it was because I went to a private school my whole life or something, but it seemed pretty easy to do at the time, and so I was like, you know what, might as well try to apply for college. At that moment, I was LDS Mormon. And um, I was wanted your family in Chile Mormon. Uh huh. We all okay. none of us were born in the Mormon church. We all converted, and I was actually the first one when I was twelve. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, my family all converted. At that moment, I was pretty active in it, and I wanted to serve a mission. I applied to different schools, but the one school that I knew that would like accept me and also give me the time to defer enough to like do a mission was BYU. Yeah. And so from the schools that I applied, I ended up going to BYU, um, got a nice scholarship, went to BYU for a year and a half, served my mission. I went to Sacramento, California, and um, it was during my mission that I realized that I was never going to be back in the LDS church. <laughs> really? Yeah. But in a, in a, in a, I mean, in a, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like it could be like, you know, shattering your world, but for me it was enlightening. It was nice. Um, it, I, I would serve a mission during 07, 09, mm-hmm. and that's when the LDS church had, a, well, that's when Prop 8 in California was happening. Yeah. Uh-huh. Prop 8, you know, like gay marriage and like California trying to pass it to make it legal. And, um, uh, I guess like a good disclosure is that I'm gay. <laughs> I'm yeah. queer. And so, uh, my, my whole life. Did um, you know that when you were on your mission? Yeah. No, okay. yeah. I, I joined the Mormon church because I knew I was gay. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Help us understand that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chile is a very conservative country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from a very conservative society and community. Um, most of the people that um, are educated, they also are very religious. Uh, they belong to some sort of like faith community. And... Um, and I don't know about now. I haven't been to Chile in a while. But during that time, and as I was growing up, uh, homosexuality wasn't something that was very approved. Uh, you saw people making fun of gay people all the time. Uh, kids in school got bullied all the time. I got bullied. Um, and I never really, like, said anything. You know what I mean? But, like, it was just it's just a vibe. People know. Whatever. Yeah, they assume. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and so I felt, and, and I was Catholic my whole life, um, but never super active, um, and so I thought that maybe if I involved God with a harder or more committed religion, maybe there will be some sort of change in my personality or in my likes or, or something. And at that moment, I met a Mormon friend in my school and ended up going to church. And little by little, I started feeling things and realized, you know, like maybe this is like uh, a stronger interaction with God and maybe maybe somehow I get cured or or this is fixed. At that moment, I thought it was cure. You know what I mean? Like... You don't know. You, well, you're that, 12, that's, man. That's, that's, that's the environment that you're, that yeah, you're raised yeah. in, and so that's all you yeah. see. That's all you know. 
um, kept, it, kept it as a secret my whole life. Never said anything to anyone. I had girlfriends and I had a great time. And no, I, I, had, a good, I had a good school life. I, I was pretty good in school. I did a lot of clubs and science and teams and everything. Like I, I, I try to impress as much as I could. Almost like trying to overcompensate for what I thought was so wrong in me. So I served my mission, and it was during my mission that um, it was 08, and uh, I had brought two families, two new families to church. You know, that's a, that's a big deal when you're a missionary. Like, you don't, yeah. you don't get to bring a lot of families. And it was an English war, too, which is a little bit harder in the U.S. Usually when you got, like, uh, wards that are, um, or congregations that are made out of a lot of immigrants or different languages, it's a lot yeah, easier like a because they're, war they're finding like community. You know, you're helping yeah. people find community more than just religion. There's so much more to it that it's very appealing for a new person to come to church. When you bring, when you're talking to an American family in an American congregation, they're like, "Well, I got all these twenty other churches around me that I could go to, and this ones are probably a little bit easier to live. Right. I don't got to pay tithing. I don't, you know, like not so many right. rules. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's right. a lot of things that like probably the Mormon church has that they probably don't feel very into it. But at the moment, I had found these two families. We brought them with my companion, and it was one of those Sundays where, um, at the moment, it was Monson the the prophet. And there's a letter that got sent to all the congregations in California. And it said something on the, uh, with the words something like, we asked you to donate all your time, money, and efforts to this cause. We have to stop rubbing. We cannot this happen. And, 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 this, and, and, and so, you know, they, they read this letter at sacrament meeting, which is like the moment where you think that will be, I mean, for people that are not listening, you know, that are not, that, that are listening, that are not, don't know a lot about Mormonism, you know, like sacrament meetings, probably like the most religious part of it. There's a, there's communion with God and, and there's, there's, there's talks about God and, you know, commandments and things like that. It's, it's very much more spiritual than the other ones that are more like a class and learning, right? Yeah. It's more solemn. Right. And for hearing the bishop, you know, reading this letter and then talking to him and saying, like, hey, we're going to meet a brother so-and-so after, you know, like at five or something like that to go canvas this neighborhood to go non-propate. In my head, it was, I, there were like so many things in my head, but it wasn't sad. It was just like a, almost like an explosion of thoughts and, and realizing that like, why am I, why am I here? Why, why am I listening to this person tell this congregation that came to listen about Jesus listen about politics and what we have to tell people to vote for. And, and, and between the, all those questions, there was like a, um, there was like an, like a enlightening clash where I realized like, why am I following this? Who is telling me that this is right? Who is telling me that this is the truth and and in and in Mormon terms, you know, you have this this thing called testimony, where like supposedly this feeling that reassures you about, you know, the truthfulness of whatever you're believing. And at that moment, it wasn't like I lost a testimony. It was just like a it's like I gain a new testimony. More like I am, I am perfect the way I am. I, I don't need to get cured. I am listening and following these rules and, and advice from people that have never experienced what I'm experiencing. Or if they have, they're hiding it because they're deathly afraid of what their community is going to say. I started thinking about how many, how many more people probably felt the way that I felt at that moment and realizing that 
maybe they were too attached to the religion to even make a move or to decide something differently because it was everything to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, for people that don't know about LDS uh, religion, it's it's all-encompassing. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not a religion, you know? It, it consumes you completely. It, it, it makes you act the way that you act at that moment because you're wanting to please God and you're wanting to please his congregation and these leaders and, and, and this dogma that is, is, is ingrained in you. And, and so at that moment... It was like a nice moment of clarity to realize, you know what? I am good, and I don't need to change. I love that the phrase you used was enlightening clash. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it described like that, and that is such a like a poetic way to describe what goes it's, it's on. It's very visual. It is, because it's like you have this clash of ideas in your head, and all of a sudden like you have this new realization. You're like enlightened in an instant, like from what I hear you saying. is like, yeah. oh, this doesn't work for me and I don't need what I thought I needed. Uh-huh. I actually have everything that I need uh-huh. and I'm enough now. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean and and there's other other thoughts, you know, like why am I believing this like old white dudes, you know, that haven't really had experience in the world or or that don't know about, you know, social issues that they've never experienced, you know, discrimination or racism or or any sort of like things like that because they've had a uh, and, and it's not their fault, but they've had a nice privileged life where they haven't really experienced that. You know what I mean? Right. And so for, for someone that is experiencing that sort of oppression, to hear, to, hear coming this, to hear this instruction coming from someone that hasn't experienced that, it's almost like a joke. You know what I mean? I mean, I, and I took it like that because I could have been super aggressive about it and be like, "Oh, screw this!" and like, "I've wasted a year of my life." And I was this- gonna say, you seem very like a lot of people when they leave any religion. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot, and so it's it's kind of refreshing almost that you it's you found you, and you just don't seem to be angry. No, like because I think that's a hard thing. And it's a hard thing to say. I love what you said about, like, I'm good enough. Like, we don't do that. I mean, without being gay or being from another country or any of those things, I am white from America. You know, I have had a privileged life, and I don't do that. Yeah. And I think it's really awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Well, the thing is, the thing is, I want, and and, and, I mean, and, and trust me, even though I was good at that moment, I still had, you know, yeah. inner issues that I had to deal with. But I think there's got to be always an understanding or not an understanding, but um, a sense of gratitude for everything that we go through and everything that we experience, even as shitty as it could be. But um, because because that's that's what formed you, you know, that that's yeah. that experience gave you the wisdom that you have now that you can share with others. Yeah. Yeah, I, it makes you who you are. Yeah. You wouldn't be you without it. Yeah, it, and I, and I, and I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with who I am right now. <laughs> and so like yeah, it was it was it was it, it, it was a sort of a it could have been a sad realization to be like, oh, the church is not going to help me get better because I will always feel this way. When in reality, the realization was like, thank to this experience, I'm able to realize that I am good the way I am. And, um, and so at that moment, I had to like face a little decision. I was like, am I staying or am I going? And if I go, what am I going to do? So I started going for like the worst case scenario. Like I leave right now from the mission. I, had, I was just over a year, so I just needed another year. Um, if I were to leave BYU, I mean, if I were to leave the mission, I would have to come back to BYU and you have to deal with all the social issues of like coming back home, you know, a year early and not having to explain to everyone. Did I want to go through that? Not really. 
at the same time, I because I come from an educated family, from a family that really like tried to give me the best that they ever could give me. We weren't crazy rich or anything, but we had enough means. So there were a lot of things that I experienced on my mission that I would have never experienced had I not been there. For example, uh, one time, uh, one of my companions and I, we went to knock doors on this really, really like scary complex in downtown, this city called Stockton in Northern California. You could easily call it the armpit of the state. It's pretty rough. <laughs> I've but actually I, heard of it. I, I, I <laughs> love. I as a as a missionary, you tourists. love it. That is the place that you want to go. You know, there's danger. There's different races, different languages, and like and it's you're fun. young, and, you're and you young, think you're invincible. And you're on yeah. a bike. You know, like it's cool. It's fun. And you, I mean, so I experienced. You know, we went to knock on this on this apartment complex, and w- this this guy opens the door. He's 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 a short like Central American guy. 18 years old and he and you know we tell him like hey, we're missionaries we can you know talk about jesus or whatever and then we go in and there's 10 of them in a one-bedroom apartment and they're all living there they haven't been in the country for more than three months they're working on the fields cutting asparagus for like this season because it's crazy and they can work crazy over time they send all their money back to their countries and you know they stay with whatever they can to like keep rent and like a phone or something like that oh and there's 10 of them living in this apartment and there's cockroaches going out the walls and it smells weird and you know they're tired um but they still let me in and they still let me talk to them and i and we did, and, we, and the first couple of times i wasn't really talking about god i was just talking about them and their lives and and what they're dealing with and and that's something that i would have never ever 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 had in my life in my privileged life if i hadn't gone on a mission so i was very grateful yeah i was grateful for that i was I touched that, by that man. and i was i was happy that i was doing that and and i know that even though i wasn't with my heart i mean and i, I uh, from that point on, I decided to stay. Uh, in my head, my goal wasn't to like baptize everyone like it was at the beginning, because that's what they tell you a lot. You, you know, you, you gotta like bring people into the fall, bring people into the fall, which is meaning baptize, baptize, you know. <laughs> uh, and so at that moment, my perspective of missionary work has also changed. It was more about bringing people into a community that they can feel accepted and loved. They can maybe find spirituality if they needed to, but I stopped pressuring people into baptism. Um, and so sometimes people join either, either way or some people some people didn't but at least I helped them find something that they need at the moment and I felt useful and maybe it's very egotistical of me but I decided to stay because of that and I enjoyed it and I was I was loving it I really did it was it was a good time for me to grow by helping others so I it was like nice that. I like that yeah. I've always said like I wish um, when I hear about missions and stuff because around here you know that's that's the thing, yeah. It's very normal. It's yeah. very typical. Um, but I always said I wish it was more service-oriented and not so much baptized, baptized, baptized. And I think some are like that, and I think that's great. Yeah. And I think, if nothing else, I mean, my oldest son is off in college, and just even having an experience where they kind of move away from home I think is huge oh, yeah. for teenage girls and boys. Just uh-huh. to get out of the house do something on your own and learn something from it. But I just like the idea of just serving that you go out there and it, you kind of lose yourself. Yeah, no, it was nice. It was really nice. The other thing, I just want to say one thing mm-hmm. that I think is, is um, that I love that you own is, is you were able to like accept you as you and still go and do the mission thing the way that it helped you out. And you, and there was like a reframe that happened, but a lot of times it seems like I have to, 
I don't know, reject things and push things away from me that I don't agree with. And I, I have found that that is so divisive and that's not how I live my life. That's and, totally how I am. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm trying not to be that way because that's how I've always been. Like if something sounds wrong or if someone, something seems wrong to me or goes against what I think, I'm like, I pushed away. Yeah. Like, no, where I, so I love that you're yeah. saying that because I think this is super important and something I got to work on too. You, you can pull something into yourself to find out more about you, especially if that's something you don't agree with. And that's, that's something that in our culture we are not really good at. We, we love homogenization. We love looking at somebody, and I've talked about this before, who looks like me, sounds like me, and, and just like being in these little groups. And so whether that's going to a, a, a faith, whether that's going to, um, a, a, I don't know, a group, whatever that might look like, the more we can be cognizant of who we are and what our values are and be okay with who we are, I think the easier it becomes to do something like what you did, where you're able to go out and be like, listen, I can, I can reframe this and I can still help people and do something that I want to do and kind of do it on my own terms. It doesn't have to be so black and white. And I think that's, that's a really cool thing to do. Some people might disagree with this. Mm-hmm. Some people might think like, like you're just, uh, like you're, like you're being fake, yeah, you know, like, absolutely. like you're, absolutely. you're like, you're lied to yourself, you're lying to other people, but those people can kind of go screw themselves because <laughs> quite honestly, like, like do what you want to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, like no judgment. That, that's actually really cool that you're able to do that. I love that. Thanks. It's just like, it's just like, you know, you, you can, you can say, uh, nobody cares about what I do, but you can say it in two different ways. You can say like, uh, nobody cares about what I do. Or you can say like, yes, nobody cares about what I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same thought. It's just the way that you're perceiving this. And so, right. you know, I can't, I can't tell people what to think or what to believe when they hear me or my story. But I, what I can tell them is that I, I think I did the best that I could. I gave my all to the people that I connected with. And I feel at peace. And I'm still in touch with a lot of them. That's awesome. I mean, I served 09, so it's, it's been almost 10 years. I came back in August. And so it's, it's going to be 10 years this year. And yeah, there's still people that I keep in touch with, even though they know my situation and everything. There's, there's, there's a deeper connection than just uh, a religion. Yeah. So, so yeah. So after, so you, you finished the two years. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I actually extended. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to, and and this is like the most weird, prideful thing that still sort of hunts me, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, whatever. So it, it was, I, I only had, so I, before I finished our mission, I only had like a month, month and a half before I went back to college. Mm And at that moment, I was like, you know what? I might have, I mean, the, the, the mission gave me the option. So do you want to stay for like three more weeks or something? I said, why don't I just stay for the next six weeks? And then just go back and, and go straight go, to college. And then go back to school. My, my family's coming. They're going to come visit. They're going to like hang out in the mission. And they can drop me off in Utah, BYU. And then I can just go back. So I ended up extending, which was really fun and really nice. And then I now get to brag forever that I spent, you know, six extra weeks on the mission. You were <laughs> extra righteous. <Yeah. laughs> and look at the gay guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, so what was that? So I know enough about BYU. I don't mm-hmm. know a lot. Um to know that that is 
got to be an awkward situation too to be you can't be gay and go to no, BYU. No, you cannot be oh, openly no. gay. No, and well, during that time you couldn't. I think that now you, they might have changed the things where like you can be openly gay but you can still not practice gay you know what i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you can say like works. oh i'm gay or or what they say you know like same sex attraction or same gender attraction or whatever same yeah attraction. yeah uh, so you can you can be open about that but as soon as you act on it you're done yeah you know what i mean and so, mm-hmm. but at that moment when i was a bigger you you weren't able to be open either like okay. that was that was not a thing so i came back to BYU, and um at that moment i like i came back with like a very open mind and saying you know what like I'm going to try to like help out as much as possible, but I know that this is not the right path for me, but I'm staying here because there's a couple of reasons. One of them, as an international student, my visa was tied to the university. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to go to a different school, A, I would lose my scholarship. B, I would have to go back to Chile and reapply to a different school. And that means wasting another year or two, having another like paperwork for visas it's a bunch of money you need to prove to different universities that you have enough funds it's incredibly hard for an international student to go to college here and BYU I've heard is actually a really good school to come to not I mean they're obviously a really good school but um for like out of state and stuff like it's because it's a private school it's a private school so no matter it's a a little bit cheaper it's just easier to work with is Mm -hmm. what I've heard and internationally international students too there's a huge population of international students and and, and, and funny enough most of the international students are not LDS or at least when I was there were a lot of Asians like Koreans and Chinese kids that would come from their countries and they would do chemistry or engineering which was what they were super good at yeah. and then they would graduate but you know everyone has to be held to the honor code standard at least you don't have to be you don't have the, to be LDS you don't have to be LDS but you have to just follow their honor code uh-huh yeah okay. and so one of the, one of the things in the honor code is you know you, you can't be gay <laughs> well but so I, I i i had already a year and a half under my belt and I was double majoring and I was applying to grad school and all that stuff. And so at that moment, I was like, you know what? I might as well just endure, pick up as many credits as possible every semester. I was, I was taking at least 18 credits every semester. Oh my gosh. I had to get permission from the academic office, you know, to get more. And I was doing that. And so instead of graduating four years, I graduated in three um, with a double major? With a double major. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a work ethic, homie. It was, it, was, it was rough, but it was worth it. Yeah, it was rough, sure. but it was worth it. Um, and so I was at BYU for two years after I came back from my mission, and I was done. Um, coming back to BYU was good uh, because I got to like hang out a lot with my freshman year friends. That's a, that's a big thing about BYU, especially if you lived in the dorms. Like, you make friends with your friends from the dorms, and they're friends for you forever. Um, so I was kind of like, I went back to that. I met a lot of different new people and I was busy with school enough where I like, didn't have to worry too much about things. I still participated in church. Uh, if they gave me a calling, like I would fulfill it, but it wasn't like something that like took away anything from me or added more to it. It was just something that I had to do. Um, but it was during that time that I started meeting other people that were sort of similar in my situation at BYU. And that's when like things got really interesting and fun at BYU because some, a place that felt so monotonous so tribal and in, in, in the sense of what you were saying you know like uh I, I, so it, it, this is not you know this our our bodies uh, one of their main goals in our bodies to like never be hurt you know they don't want to ever be hurt psychologically emotionally physically we'll avoid pain we'll avoid hurt however possible it's it's, it's our nature it's survival this is how humanity has gone to the place that it has gone and so 
when something's different, when something sounds different, you don't understand it, or it looks different, or believes something differently, or is out of the tribal situation that you have around you, in your bubble, it's dangerous. Your body identifies it as danger because it's different, and you don't know how that's going to be. And so that ignorant, that ignorance fuels your body to feel threatened or to feel like, hey, you know what? You can't, you, don't, you shouldn't feel too safe because it's a little too different from what you're used to, you know? Yeah. And so I feel, I feel like I was in that mode all day, every day at BYU because you never know who's watching you. You're on you know? guard. You're always on, you're always on guard, you're, you know? So, um, but I, I met a couple of friends here and there that share the same situation with me and then those friends introduced me to other friends and, and these friends introduced me to others and, and little by little in, in what, seemed like just a semester I had discovered this like beautiful underground network of all accepting people on this campus that felt like hell on earth for the first semester I got back I've I've heard you're not the first person I've heard this from I've had um actually my brother was dating someone years ago who was part of this group (laughs) and I remember talking to my brother and I was like how how does it go to BYU and he's he's gay. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's there's lots of them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's so interesting. And and, and it's not like and it's not like you know like everyone knows everyone, and it's not like there's a a, a classification or a name for for these people. It's yeah. just like like people that share the same train of thought. Like, hey, you know, I, th- th- there were a lot of people that were that were straight, but they weren't satisfied with the belief system of the church. Okay. Uh, there were other people that really liked to drink and go party in the weekends, and they didn't really believe in the church, but the, that was the only option that their parents gave them to go to college, and so they went to BYU. There were the gays, which was a huge number of us. <laughs> the <Yeah>. army. <laughs> well, because it's where you guys, it, you, I, like, I, I look at it and think, like, yeah, it's like underground, hidden mm-hmm. thing, but it's where you you found your community. Yeah. It's where you felt safe it's where you felt comfortable and the nicest thing about i would say for me any i like the more out there the better the more different (laughs) the better because it makes me comfortable because i feel like oh i don't have to hide me at all like i know these people will love me regardless because they're not trying to hide anything either Uh so you said there was a large population of gay people at BYU mm-hmm. that are yeah, well, out but no they weren't out no, they're no, not no, out no. I, I, but you guys know it was just we your community your group. each other because we met through other friends and whatnot but like I how, I mean how many people would you say this is so my know? close group of friends I feel like it consisted of maybe like eight to ten okay and all of us not all of us but most of us were gay okay and do you feel like there's like a because you said it was a big number. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, our group of friends was, like, a group of friends that usually hung out a lot together, yeah. maybe every weekend. But then one group of friends that was friends with one of the people in my group, you know, like, say, like, hey, we're going to have a party. Come over. And there were, like, 20 of us. And then mm. some of the times there were 30 or 50 of us. And mm. you know, or, or you know this group from here or you know this other group from there. And they might not know each other, but you know them. And so at some point you get to introduce them. And so yeah. that's how the network kind of grew. Yeah, yeah. But what it was based on was basically not the common enemy of BYU. Yeah, like, yeah. We're not afraid of Cosmo. We are mostly wanting to support each other. Speaking of Cosmo. Oh, he's gay. Or he was that one that was the, one, yeah. the good one. The good yeah, Cosmo. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? <laughs> Dancing Cosmo. Dancing <laughs> Cosmo just came out. 
Yeah. Yeah, I read this so big is, article on he, it. What's his deal? Like, has he graduated and stuff? Oh, yeah. He's been out for, I mean, he's graduated for a while. I mean, and yeah. this, this Cosmo, at least. The Cos- one that, like, Cosmo's the, the mascot of BYU. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. Um, okay, so he graduated from high school and, or from college and he was still doing the Cosmo thing. Is it like a job? No, no, no. So no, no. no I, it's a, it's a, it's a job that you get as a student. So when oh, you're okay. at BYU, you can work. So once you Cosmo. graduate, once you graduate, I think you're out. It's yeah. on to the next Cosmo. Uh-huh. Most, yeah. most of the like student employments like that at BYU. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So this guy came out and he was like, this is the, not the newest one. No, this Probably is not. I okay. don't think so. I just read the article and I think it was the past guy. And he was like talking about how he'd be dancing. And he was thinking in his head the whole time he's doing this dance. He's like, I'm looking out at this, Face or this, this, uh, the faceless masses wondering if they really knew who I was, would they still be cheering? I read that, I was like, Oof. Whoa, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's heavy, but like, that's that's the I guess the stigma or the group think that I think we're not necessarily fighting against, but we're trying to expose, as like yeah. me, I'll say, I'll speak for me, that I would love to expose people to more. Because I think helping helping others understand that like at Mormon University BYU at these different organizations there's I, I know there's uh, Creighton University in Nebraska where it's the same kind of thing uh-huh. there's all these different organizations love love finds a way I guess yeah no absolutely and people are going to connect with people no matter what um, I'll use a I'll use a word people might not like what oppressive regime <laughs> has like, put it in place. And not that, not that like BYU is a suppressive regime, but in reality, like you guys just want to be you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you the, had to go underground to be you. Yes. That's at this, at freaking this, brutal. At, uh, yes. But at the same time, we signed up for that. Good point. You knew. We, I, I like, yeah. I we like went, we went to BYU. We signed the honor code. We knew that if we were to be ourselves at that moment, we would have been out. And we took the risk. And maybe mm-hmm. a lot of people took the risk thinking that they were going to get healed at BYU or they're going to get cured. You know, like, I'm going to go on my mission. I'm going to get married and everything will be fine. And then at that point, they realized, like, oh, this is not going to happen. And so that's the, the moral question that the, the, the student has to ask themselves at that moment. It's like... Am I going to sacrifice myself to follow this code that this university is telling me to follow? Or, or do I not and then run the risk of like, you know, getting caught on and getting kicked out? Or, 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 or get out of the university if you want to right there. You know, for some people it might have been, a, I mean, I, have, I had friends that were in that group that there was a point where they're like, I can't do BYU anymore. And they left. And even though we had the support system, they still couldn't do it. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. They had, they had their choice and, and they had their opinion. Like, I decided to, like, just go, go with it and finish and graduate and then be done. And once I graduated, that's exactly what happened. I was, I was done. I've never been one of those people to criticize the church afterwards or being like, oh, we need to change this. Dude, if you are in the Mormon church, it's because you want to believe that. You believe it, you love it, embrace it, go for it. It just doesn't work for me, and and that's okay. So to each his own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. And, and and that's great. Like that's for example, and uh, nowadays in my family, um, I only have one sister that is an active LDS member. Everybody else has left the church, and um, and I love that my sister is happy where she is. You know, like the the Mormon church will never be a place for me. Even, is she even, is she okay with that? Yeah, she's, she's like, because I, I think that's 
um, my husband always says, like, I'm okay where other people are at as long as they're okay with where I'm at and they're not constantly trying to get me to come back. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always wonder, is no. that the situation or is she just like, no, I'm happy, you're you, but this works for me. Yes, it took us a while for both of us because even though I never meant to like uh, make her change her ideas about the church or anything, there were sometimes comments that I made that at that moment I didn't realize, but they were hurtful to her, you know, like, oh, but the church said this about that, so what do you think about this? And it was just like a question that to me was just like, just answer and for her it was hurtful like she felt like I was attacking her mm-hmm. and so that's the moment where you had to like have a bunch of conversations that are crying and fixing and realizing that like hey you know what these are our boundaries as far as religion goes um, but she knows that I'm really happy that she's active in the LDS church and that she's enjoying herself there and that she's using whatever they're teaching her for her own benefit because that's exactly what I did while I was there and I think that She's happy where I'm at. She knows. She, I mean, she's happy where I'm at because she sees me. You know, she can see my demeanor. She can feel my energy. She realizes that I'm a happy person, that I'm the happiest person I've ever been since I decided to live authentically, which was after leaving BYU. Um, because that's, that's, that's kind of what happened. After BYU, I moved to LA, and then I lived in Australia for a little bit, and I had like sort of like a year break of everything, and then I decided to come back to Salt Lake. And... Um, and it was during Salt Lake that I decided to to live an authentic life, which was to... Yeah, what made you come back to Salt Lake? I, uh, of all so, places. Uh, right? So <clears throat> at the moment, I was applying to medical school, and I was in interview process. And so I had sort of like a year to just to like dick around, <laughs> you yeah. know, for a year. And so um, at the moment, I I still had a lot of my stuff in Provo that I had left with some friends. And um, and I found a job with a nonprofit in Salt Lake City. So I decided to move and have like this year where I could like travel, do my interviews, and then see where I end up. And so during that year, I got into this job that I really, really liked. I got into med school at the same time. Uh, but at the job that I was uh, working at, I liked it so much that I decided to defer for a year of med school. And and during that time, we got a big grant from the government, and it was a project that I was very heavily involved, and I wanted to see how it grew. And at that moment, I was just like, you know what? I think I wanted to do med school because it was a good career, and it's nice, and you get respect from people, and you get money. But I don't know if I want to do it. And so... (laughs) Like, really passionate about it. Yeah, because I was feeling this incredible passion about what I was doing with this nonprofit, I was helping communities with health policy. Like I was, I was helping with Obamacare and Medicaid and, and trying to figure out the health system for these people to figure out. And, and I was moving community. I was, I was talking to people from all these different countries that didn't know exactly what to do because the health system is complicated as you, it is. You still doing this nonprofit right now? Not this, this one. No. That, I'm, this, I'm still when the, you tell me that's a different one. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about this one. Like what were you, so so people are immigrating from different parts of the country and you're going to help them with bomb care. So, oh yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's an, it's an organization that helps with health policy work. Okay. So they have different divisions and part of it, you know, they will go and do lobbying or legislation work uh, at the Capitol. So they try to change laws to help facilitate um, the health system to the less, uh, the the, the underserved communities. Mm. Um, For another part, they have direct services that help people learn about the health system. So like, for example, do you qualify for Medicaid? And if you do, what do you need to, you know, prove that? Mm-hmm. And how do you stay enrolled in Medicaid? It's incredibly hard. If you haven't applied for that, it's a, it's a, 
it's a it's an application, you know what I mean? And so like especially yeah. people, you help them, you help them go through that application yeah, process. So some cool. of them, some of them didn't know English uh, enough, and the application in Spanish wasn't very well translated. So there were a lot of like, and then they needed documents, and they needed to ask for their employer, and they didn't even know how to communicate with their employer. And so it was kind of like there in the ground. And can I, I would jump in real quick, please, because I just want to do a quick education piece. Uh-huh. I know a little about this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. One, so this is actually a technique used by governments all over the place. Here in Utah, we have a very, they call it administrative, high administrative burden for people who are non-native language speakers to enroll in government programs. So what that means is there's this bias towards white people to get government aid, yet most of the people who are getting government aid are people who are of minority. Mm -hmm. So the thing you're talking about here is they have this extra long form for Medicaid for people who are Spanish-speaking, and the translation is a little rough. So your organization helps them to figure it out and how to do the the paperwork. I don't don't know if it's different now, but when I was working there, the the application was exactly the same. It's Mm -hmm. just that the translation in Spanish is a little bit complicated. Right. Um, but I, I, I personally, I never saw any difference in the application process. It's all the same. It's all the same but, process, but it was just, but the, it's a, it was a lot harder for a non-English speaker to like mm-hmm. apply because I didn't know a lot right. of the terms, right? like deductible or what is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Makes sense. uh, and so then, and I helped them to see if they will qualify according to their federal poverty level, like where they were on the scale and money wise and family size and all that. And then when Obamacare started happening, we were teaching people about Obamacare. How would it work? How would they, like, would they qualify for subsidies? Or do they, do they qualify even for Obamacare? Because there were so many different things that were, like, crazy about the policy at that moment that were all very undefined yet. And so we were in this, like, in this moment in, the, in U.S. history where we were changing the health system such, so drastically that there needed to be people on the ground to help everybody else understand. Mm-hmm. So I did that for um, a couple of years, like three years. And then um, I had a lot of issues with my visa. My visa from student visa went to working visa and then it went to like, no, 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 student visa to religious visa while I was a missionary, then back to student visa. And then... I had once you graduate as an international student in college in the US, you get one year to work as if you were a citizen per se, and you can okay. apply for any job, you can qualify, and then you need to look for that during that year, you need to look for some company or person that will sponsor you so that you can have a working visa. I got the sponsorship of the organization that I was working with. But after a couple of years, there was a change in administration. Um, the, the new people didn't want to sponsor my visa anymore. So I had to leave the place. So you had to go back to Chile. Well, I had to leave the job. And it was, um, it was really hard because I, I, gave, I gave my heart to that, to that work, to, that, to the service, to the people that I was working with. It, That's rough. And... And there was nothing that I could do, you know, like, it, I don't know, whatever. It's, it, it, yeah, it was, it was rough because I feel like I, I, gave, I gave a lot to, not so much to the organization, but the, the mission. And, and I didn't want to, like, screw up the organization and be like, oh, you, you should have treated me this. Like, because mm-hmm. I knew that the work that they were doing was good. So do you, know, do you know why they wouldn't sponsor your visa? It's hard to sponsor someone. It's okay. money. It's legal fees. It's time. And I feel like for uh, a nonprofit organization that is receiving a lot of money from the government, yeah, already, yeah. even though they don't want to say it and they will never probably say it, it probably looks it probably looks bad for an organization that's receiving so much money from the government to employ a non citizen. 
Okay. And 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 that's my opinion. Yeah. That's interesting. But I'm I'm, I'm thinking that could be and, and and maybe and maybe it's not a burden. But if someone high up there were to look at the staff, I'd be like, oh, this guy's not an American citizen. I wonder if they they would have some sort of bias. And so I feel like they were just trying to cover their basis in, in the organization, and they decided that was the best but like, situation. Like privileged white boy me, like that kind of stuff doesn't really enter my brain. It just does, like I, because I don't think about that because it's never affected me. So mm-hmm. that's really yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. That, that, that in a way, might, right? Think, totally. Yeah, it didn't it never really dawned on me before, but yeah, yeah, you're getting these grants and this money, and then all of a sudden. Where is this money going? Who's it going to? We want it to go to the right people, and if it's mm-hmm. not going to the right people, yeah, never yeah. thought about it like that. Anyways, that's that's interesting, man. I'm sorry yeah. that you lost your job. That yeah, sucks. it was rough. It was rough. Um, yeah. and I, when I, I, was that? This was let's see, thirteen, fourteen. It was probably like twenty. It was probably twenty fifteen. It's like four years ago. Yeah, it was like twenty fifteen at the beginning of twenty fifteen, kind of like Marchish. So since then, what's been going on since then, man? whirlwind of things so at that moment i had to buckle up and after after that situation happened reading the law which was a whole mess by itself trying to figure out like what is my status now am i legal am i undocumented how long do i have do i get like so i figured it out i had six months to find sponsorship once again if in those six months i didn't find sponsorship i had the option or, or not the option i had to make the decision of Either stay here in the U.S. undocumented and forget about my degree, forget about um, the lifestyle that I was living at the moment. I wasn't living rich, but I was definitely making money enough for, like, for as a college graduate, right? Yeah. And that probably would have not been the case, or 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 would have had to like get into like the really dark depths of undocumented life and try to find some so some social security number and like try to get into like that full and, blown illegal alien. And you know what? Like I just I was like you know what? I graduated from college. I. I am uh, a motivated person. I try to do good. I, I don't want to go through that. So if in those, so that in my head, I was like, if in those six months, I don't get a sponsorship, I'm out. Like you'll go back to Chile. I'll go back to Chile. A lot of things were in my head in the sense that I hadn't really been back to Chile since high school, really. Like, I mean, I went to visit a couple of times, but I, I sort of like lost so that Chile. was never like you never wanted to go back. You never no, wanted to live there. No, no. And con- and considering considering how I grew up and the and the society that I lived in uh, and and then opening eyes my, opening my eyes here as well. You know, I I realized that I lived in a very privileged situation that I was completely oblivious of how there's an incredible division of class in in Chile, of education, of access. Uh, racism is raging in there, and and, and really? you said you said in Argentina because there's so many immigrants yeah. from Europe, and those immigrant families to Chile? Should, in Chile, like in in Chile and Argentina <clears throat> and Brazil, even in Peru, those but especially especially Chile and Argentina, I would say they're very European, heavily yeah. European. Like I looked, I looked like I fit in when I was in Argentina. Yeah, like you I, couldn't, I you did could, not know this. I've never you been to these tell countries. That I wasn't. Yeah. And so no. to me, I always assumed. I mean, this you know, I the. Most or the furthest south I've gone is Mexico. Yeah, which which most people think you go oh, south of the border, like they're gonna <laughs> oh. eat tacos in Chile yeah. and burritos. Yeah. Like, we don't have tortillas. No, I the first burrito I had in my life was here in the U.S. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So that's, that's legit interesting. Too. It's super yeah. Good. Yeah, it's good. And yeah. I guess I always look at America as, and now I, you know, it's obviously we come a long way, but I've always looked at it as like we are the most divisive of 
countries because I don't know any other countries. That's really what it is. Yeah. And I We're assume, actually kind of not. Uh, but I've always assumed that other countries We're not European. are like, no, yeah. are more, everything's more cohesive and it's not so racist yeah, and it's not no. so, this, I don't know. Anyway, so I love hearing this. I love knowing that how different it is mm-hmm. in other places. Well, and then there's also a heavy influence of the Catholic Church. Um, and so a lot of people are conservative. And even if they're not Catholic, there will be another very heavily conservative Christian religion. And so homosexuality... Very religious. Very, very religious. There's, I mean, there is a separation of church and state that supposedly happens, but it's very... I mean, the, the Catholic Church will say something and the government will take it very much like... Almost law. You know what I mean? Like, they'll, yeah. they'll, if, if, and if not, like, politicians will also use their position in the Catholic Church or, or however they believe to, to get elected or to, to have a following because it's so important. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of it. A lot yeah. of it. And so, yeah. so for me, having a life in Chile was not something that I was looking for. Like, I, I have no interest whatsoever. And maybe I'm so wrong because I haven't been there in so long. But in my head, I just don't see myself fitting there. But I was like, you know, if I don't get sponsorship in those six months, I'm going to go back because I'm not I'm not going to sacrifice uh, the liberty of living documented, I guess, as, as, as oxymoron, as oxymoron as that sound, like, you know, living and document documented to be free. It's rather oxymoronic, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? <laughs> like, too yeah. much, too much. That's crazy. Yeah, That's but, cool. But like, so, you want to I mean, do it legit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, so during those six months, I hustled. I was applying for jobs everywhere, all over the country. I was using all the contacts that I had before. I was applying to jobs in D.C. and Boston and New York and L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, here in Texas even, that I didn't even care about Texas. I just apply everywhere. During that time, I worked uh, undocumentedly with a food truck, I worked with a company, like a very local small business that needed someone to cut paper to create journals. I did landscaping. I tutored. I tutored the hell out of everyone. It was my main income for a good six months where like I was, I was doing like 10, 12 hours of tutoring to all these different people, English, Spanish, math, calculus, biochemistry, physics, even You're tutoring I, calculus, I was t- I was tut- I, yeah I was tutoring anything I could. Yeah. I was tutoring homeboys brilliant. I could. Like, I've no, already figured I've that part out. That, but like <laughs> just because that's the thing that's gnarly about this the system that we're in. Like you get over here and then all of a sudden something happens and, and you you're landscaping and teaching people calculus. <laughs> and, like, but you know what, what? I. That's why. And it's so funny how life works because even though it was probably the hardest time of my life to understand how to survive and how to be at peace with myself at the same moment, I learned incredibly important lessons during that time that truly made me who I am today. And like what? A lot of it, a lot of it was based out of humility. A lot of it, it was to realize that we we for we we don't we don't see past our life experience. We're so blinded by what we have that it's hard to see other people's experiences, mm-hmm. or, or or it's very easy to create judgment of others without knowing their story. I never thought that before, like. The, the stuff we have are, is the walls we put up around us. You know, like, it, it, it's like our the, landscape. It's what we see and yeah, that's the, what we... It the covers greater I else. have it, the easier it is for me, the harder it is for me to see what it's like for other people. 
Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and that's very human. And that's totally v- super normal. And, and you figured that out in this really difficult time period in your life. Yeah. Kind of what it took. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, for example, one of the most incredible lessons I learned was at this food truck that would go to music festivals. It was, it was a fun job. It was crazy. That sounds like a it blast. Was, it was really fun. It was really fun. But you know what? The, 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 two, the two people that owned the truck, they taught me an incredible lesson. And it's just like, you know what? If you mess up, that's okay. But own it. Own it. And to me, that really like just changed so many things because I felt like even at that moment, I feel like I was finding excuses to blame my situation when really I had to just take that bull by the horns and take care of it and just own it. Every time I got to like a job interview with a job that I felt like could be a very good fit or that would give me the satisfaction to be like, why not? I'm happily employed this. And then I knew that they had the means to sponsor me. It was right after, it was right after like they were like about to like hire me and they would send a bunch of documents and then I would send a bunch of documents saying like, oh yeah, I need a sponsorship that out of the random, every single job found another candidate that was better than me at every single job position. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not joking when I said that I had conversations like almost like salary conversations like 20 times with 20 different like organizations or companies that were ready to hire me. But as soon as they knew that they had to sponsor me, suddenly they were gone. Um, It was really frustrating. It it was really frustrating. It was really depressing. It was really annoying. It's a lot of work. Like I, I can't imagine having to over and over and over and over and over again. And you, you know, it's all because of this sponsorship. Yeah. It was tiring. And, and then I knew that I was smart and I knew that I could do uh, a great benefit to whatever job I would be into, but they wouldn't want to go for it. And you know what? <laughs> go for it, man. Like, don't, don't hire me. That's fine. What kept you going? What keeps you going? I don't, I don't know. I think, well, now, I mean, at that moment, what kept me going is that I wanted to stay here. Why? I wanted, I wanted, to, I wanted to have the life that I was that I was living or that I wanted to keep living, which was to feel free and safe publicly. Um, if I were to like make out with a, with a man in, on the street or, or know that um, even though I might not be affiliated with any religion, my rights would still be, my rights would still be taken into consideration if it, if, because that's, that's what the United States kind of like, makes you think that it's it's here for you know that's what it represents for you yeah and i don't this idea of freedom and safety being able to express yourself as you are a more liberal situation like even though we think that the u.s is very conservative it's a lot more liberal than south america like chile is rough (laughs) chile is conservative you know what i mean so like when i'm telling you that the u.s feels like a very blue safe state it's because compared to chile but yeah. if we compare if we compare the U.S. to maybe Germany or some other countries, yeah, yeah. we're still pretty like conservative and whatnot. Yeah. But from a South American point of view, this was really good, and I had it really good, and 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 I knew that I could make good money if I was in the right business. You know what I mean? And so I wanted to stay. And you were willing to fight for that, and you fought yeah. freaking hard. Yeah, exactly. You made it work for you. So so what do you? Where are you at now? So oh okay so. Fast well, oh, I don't want to skip anything. Oh okay. Well, um, it was it was maybe like a month. This is one of the craziest stories. It was maybe like a month before my deadline. Uh, I met this guy. And um, it was fireworks. 
this is the, this is the first time I've ever publicly experienced or explored more than more than that. Explore uh, my feelings in a relationship with that guy. It was all new. It was all fun. It was all exciting. It was it was beautiful and it it was like yeah, it was fireworks. I I I fell in love with this guy as soon as I met him. And and I think the situation was sort of mutual because things develop really quickly. Like <laughs> And this is this has never happened to you before. Like you've never no. been super in love with No, anyone. Man. I mean, I, I I have fallen in love honestly once before. Um while I was at BYU with this with this girl named Molly. And oh man, it was a rough uh, breakup when we both realized that it wasn't going to happen. It was rough, uh, but I got over it because at the, at the same time I was just like, you know what? Like if I were to keep going a life with this girl, it would have not been an authentic life. I yeah. would have always had to struggle with something. So you know what? Like no, it's good that it happened. It was rough, but it was good that it happened. So this, this was the first, first time with a man. This is the first time in love with a man, and this and the first time exploring it farther out than anything. Because before I had gone out with guys, but like nothing really, like it wasn't there. But this one was just crazy, and both of both of us felt the same way. And long story short, before we turned two months together, no, before knowing each other for two months, we were married. Basically, he said, like, we need to get married. We met because you, we need to get married. That's freaking right. We, 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 we met because you need to get a green card and you yeah. need to stay here. Awesome and scary. Uh, <laughs> all at the same all time. All at the same time. Dude. He moved into my place the day that we met, basically. Like, wow. that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it was, I mean, you're it was talking, like. You're talking serious fireworks, it was like man. It was like the most lesbian, most BYU engagement you could have ever had. You know, like, we met and we're married. You know what I mean? Like, it's over. Like You can take the gay guy out of BYU and the BYU out of the gay guy. Exactly. Oh, uh, that cougar was roaring. Uh, just bleeding blue through and through. Proud it, of the alma mater, you know? Like, oh, my God. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so no. Two months. Yeah, we got married, and um, it, was a, it was an awesome wedding celebration, and it was good. Um, we, we clicked really well, and we, we had a... We had great two years, and then we broke up. Um, and it was uh, it was rough, but I also learned a lot of things. Once again, you know, this like positive outlook and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, just like, I love that you said positive outlook and shit. shit. <laughs> All together, like... <laughs> Okay. No, yeah, like but it, but it's true because that's like, how you do, man. You're like grateful all the time. Because well, that's the thing. you gotta be. You, I mean, you, you you can choose. You can choose to be offended. You can choose to be sad. You can choose to. And there's moments that you have to choose those. You know what I mean? It's not like an option that you know, you always get to take. Sometimes you gotta go with one choice before you take something else. Um, but the important part is to always come back to it and realize that there's something that you learned. There's something that made you a better person or that you grew from. And honestly, my relationship with him was a big step for me. It was awesome. lots of growth. I, I learned a lot about myself that I had never really like seen myself act that way because right. it was a new, brand new experience. So that was fun. Um, I also learned that, you know, the way, the way that I deal with people and, and what kind of people I wanted to surround me. Um, I realized that there's some people that I, that I was giving too much to, and I wasn't receiving enough. And, um, and those relationships as I kind of like just started thinking about them, they became, I, I was seeing them becoming more and more toxic towards me relationship that I really didn't need anymore or, or more than need anymore relationships that weren't doing anything good for me. 
And so why was in them? Right. And so it was a moment for me to um, to take a take a step back from my life and see what is it that I want, uh, how is it that I want to live from now on, um, how do I want to experience life with whoever I want to, and so there were a lot of like questions that I was able to answer because of that relationship, and now I I couldn't be happier. Like I I'm single, <laughs> and it's a it's a it's great because I've been able to take back all that time and effort and energy that I had put in, that I had put on either my, my partner at the moment or, or relationships that were in, that were toxic to me or whatever. And I put them on me and it was nice to realize that I had all this like energy and time for myself. That's right. And uh, so it was during that time with breakups and all these things and that, that I started working at this, I got my green card and all this and that. And during that time, I got a job at this other nonprofit that I currently work at. Um, and I'm really happy with the work that I do. Uh, we basically, I basically get paid to spread kindness. <laughs> he was telling me about this, and this is I one I was like, we got to have you. So I want you to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of explain what you do. And then, like, if there's a way people can get involved. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Tell us about that a little bit. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to turn two years uh, with this organization in a couple of weeks, actually. Oh, congratulations. Cool, yeah. Very a couple cool. weeks, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, the, the organization is called Golden Rule Project. And so the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. Uh, it's a, you can call it a rule, you can call it a law, you can call it whatever you want, but you can find it in almost every religion, in almost every civilization throughout time as a basic principle of humanity, I guess. It's, uh, you can find it in the Quran, you can find it in, in the Bible, you can find it in Buddhist scripture, in... And, and honestly, like, I mean, we have a collection of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different versions. And they're like in almost every religion, the Baha'i in Native American, uh, the Mayans, the Incas, they all had some sort of version of the golden rule that was basically the same, spoken in different words, but the same concept. Um, you know, treat others as you want to be treated, do unto others as you want them to do unto you, do not do unto others as you do not want them to do unto you, you know, so kind of like, just this law of reciprocity of understanding of like, if you give respect, you get respect. If you treat well, you get, you will be treated well. And, um, so we try the, the, the mission of the organization is to, to bring to consciousness, to bring to awareness, the fact that even though we might come from different backgrounds, we've all have heard this one simple rule and imagine how awesome the world would be. Just take a second, just take a second to imagine how awesome the world would be if we all remembered to live by the golden rule. Not so much learn it, but remember it. You know what I mean? You see the concept is different because like we've all heard at some point, school, friends, family, your neighbor, in the supermarket, there's a saying and a book, like it's everywhere, it's everywhere. You're driving, at least in, in, in the Western world, you are driving on the right lane of the road because you want the, the car on the other side to ride in their right of the lane so you don't crash. You, you, you try to listen to others because you want to be listened at some point and you're going to consider somebody else's opinion because you want your opinion considered. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and imagine that beautiful synergy if it was on everything in this world. And we all know it. It's just a matter of like started practicing and remembering yeah. it. Making it a part of your life. And, and I am one of the, I, you can call me lucky, blessed, 
woke, whatever. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I am happily lucky that I get to, like, almost, like, train my brain and my personality almost every day because I have to see it. I have to, I have to find ways of how to spread this principle in different ways. And so I'm always constantly thinking about it. So it's a nice reminder to me to live by the golden rule, which is nice. Yeah, and awesome. so we have a bunch of different projects that we do. Um, one of the most exciting ones is coming up now on March, or March, on April 5th. Um, it's International Golden Rule Day. We have a 24-hour online broadcast where we go around the world uh, with different organizations that promote peace or promote kindness or promote compassionate living and sharing a little bit about what it is to, to put the golden rule first or how is it that by caring for yourself, you're caring for others or how is it that you're caring for others caring for this earth or how is it that caring for the earth is caring about yourself so it's all, it's all a cycle it's all it's it's all it's all connected it's all one and that is the most important message that i can share through the work that i do is that we tend to focus so much on the differences that we all have because our tribalism I, once we were talking about you know like the mm-hmm. differences the things that we see we feel threatened we don't know ignorance abounds and it's hard to like not pay attention to those things first but we have so much more in common than we see. We truly are one. It's, 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 it's not like, it's not like there's an us and them and I need to figure out how they are going to think. It's more about how would I think because they are me. They are the same. We are one. And And and, and and having that train of thought is um, is revitalizing. It gives you it gives you a little bit of hope. It gives you excitement for the potential that we have as humanity, the potential that we have as as people, as we as we practice more uh, love and and compassion and and realizing that. We all have this divine power, divine energy, or, or whatever you want to call it, it's semantics at this point, but we all have this magic inside of us that makes us all one. And so why focus so much on the differences and in the fight of, you know, I want this and you want that, and, and, and realize that we have so much more in common and we have so many things that we can fight together for. And so to feel, I mean, to, to say that I feel lucky that I'm working at an organization that their goal is to promote peace is an understatement. I love that. Oh, my gosh. It I love life. everything about that. Dude, I had chills. That was amazing. <laughs> You're freaking powerful, dude. Yeah. I, it's interesting awesome. that you said that because I'm reading this book right now, and it talks about in there exactly what you said. It's like we are all the exact same. Like you strip away all the things, our life lessons and things that happen to us, and and we are the same, all of everybody. Mm-hmm. And so it's like just, yeah, I, I think that's, I love that you said that because I feel like this is something I really want to work on is the whole, not just, you know, how other people are treating me, but yeah, when I think of other people, think what would I want them, how would I want to be treated so I'm going to treat them equally as well and 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 it's so hard to fight those things because there's so many bias that are thrown at uh, thrown at us daily uh almost almost instantly all the time i mean 
I mean, I don't even know. I mean, you, you can be at an airport, and if you see someone that, for example, is wearing some sort of like, you know, for example, like uh, like a jihad or, or something like that, you instantly think like, oh, but could there be a bomb? You know, what I mean? and and you obviously don't think that. You obviously don't believe that. You obviously know that that is the stupidest thing that you could ever think of. But there it is in your head, mm-hmm. because you saw it on the news, you hear it on the, you saw it in a movie, you're here, here, and you hear it there, and it's instantly there. And so, one of the beautiful things about remembering the golden rule is to also realize about all the biases that we create in our heads, and to realize that, like, if we want to be treated how we want to be treated. We got to understand that we can't have a bias on somebody else just because of the way that they look or the way that they believe. No, man. No, because if you want to get treated the same way, you got to be, you got to be, you you got to, I don't want to say straight because that's like demeaning to me at this moment. (laughs) But But you know, you got to, you got to be, how do you say it? I guess own it. You know what I mean? Just like own it and realize that you got to be unbiased and it's hard and it's something that maybe we'll never be able to get rid of. Well, and uh, the way I like to think of it is, is uh, you got to be open. You have to leave your heart open to the world. You can't close it off. And there's all these opportunities day in and day out where I can see something and a bias, like you're talking about, can come into my head and I can attach to that and I can hold on to it and I can close my heart mm-hmm. to the world to protect or to turn away or to disconnect. But if I leave my heart open and willing and accepting and loving, we can stay connected. And that's the one thing that, that binds us as human beings is the fact that on the inside, we're all the same. Exactly. I mean, yeah. if, if, if you strip all, even, even, even here right now at this moment, if we strip all, your, all the identities that we have, you know, like you can say, I'm a mom, I, 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 I do a podcast, I live in Utah County, I'm white, I, uh, I, I make a certain amount of money, I, I, I got this degree in college. These are, all, these are all things that you, these are all identities that you have taken on daily or even uh, permanently in your life but if you strip that all that from you and you strip it from your neighbor you realize that both of you guys need to breathe both of you guys need to eat both of you guys need to sleep and both of you want the best for yourselves and hopefully your community I mean that's like and it's not who you are I think that's what I'm starting to realize it's like yes I I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I have a job but that's not who I am yeah like those, like, those are just identities. Those mm-hmm. are things, those are part of my life and that's fine, mm-hmm. but that's not me. And so, and I think a lot of times we take on these identities and assume them as ourselves mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not who we are. Yep. And I like, I love, love, love the idea of trying to find, like you're saying, we have more in common than we think. We're constantly looking for what we, what's not alike and what's different about us. And the reality is, and I do that. I totally do that. I am always like, well, we don't really have much in common. What are we going to talk about? Right. You know, oh, I do that too. instead of saying, what do we have in common? Oh, I do that freaking constantly. I'm, and I hate it because yeah. it does it cause it's divisiveness. Yeah. It's and, wh- and when I keeps us apart from the these moments people. when I notice that and I keep my heart open and I choose not to are the moments when you can like connect with people. I, you I meet feel some like, really cool people. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I mean, the dude I connected with at Drew's thing was freaking Felipe. <laughs> You're a bartender in one night on a Saturday night. Though. Right, dude, like, uh, Felipe, like, <laughs> freaking, but, like, but you ooze this stuff, man. Like, that's like, you have like this aura about you that's just like, I could tell. You're just a kind human, oh, right? happy. Like, the, Unbelievable. I, like I said, I walked into the room and I was like, 
I because I get in my head. <laughs> I told you this yeah. of like, oh, what does everyone think of me? What is everyone's looking at me? Blah blah blah. And you were like over in the corner, and you it was like this aura of happiness. Yeah, like like hey. I, aside from the fact <laughs> you had the alcohol, yeah. I mean that was definitely a good thing. But I wanted to meet you. Yeah. I wanted to be by you because you. Yeah, just really happy. And I love, I want that. I want people to be like, oh, when I see Bethany, I just want to be near her because she's you so don't think people happy. Are like that? Not all the time. Uncomfortable moment for Us, you. No, no, we're not. This uh, is not Felipe. We're not doing this. No. <laughs> just say it. Just say it. You, woman, everybody likes being around you. Uh, the, and the people who you don't. Sh- you should ask my sister sometimes. Because, <laughs> but the people who don't, my poor the people who don't, want to be around you, have a hard time with authenticity with themselves. True or not true? Yes. Kevin says that about me. Yes. He says a lot. Because you are, you are real. People get nervous about how, um, what's the word? Blunt. I am honest. Yeah. Brutally honest. Anyways. So I I don't want to make this about you, but I did want to make you uncomfortable for a second because I like doing that to people. Knock you out when it's over. But true story though, like that, I think the more we can be like that, the more we're going to connect. And I love that about you, man. So, thank you. So, Golden Rule Project, mm-hmm. what it's called? Uh, you said April fifth. Oh, so an the, event. The, the project that the big, the biggest project that we have coming can, up how right do we now. Involved with that? What so, do we do? the best thing that you can do is visit our website. is okay. goldenruleproject.org. And it is the most beautiful website you'll ever see. Maybe I designed it. But <laughs> oh, excited. We'll, we'll share a link in the yeah, show yeah. notes. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, you know, we we have different projects that are going on. Some of them are local. Some of them are global. Um, we are always taking donations. We sell a couple of things to keep the organization sustainable. But more than anything... Again, our, our mission is to to spread this principle of, of commonality, to spread this this beautiful principle that can allow us to achieve peace at some level or another. And so there are a lot of resources on the website that people can use. There are free lesson plans that parents or teachers can use to teach their kids about empathy or how to get to know others. Uh, put themselves magic. in somebody else's shoes. There's so coloring cool. cards. There's posters that you can print. There's a bunch of materials that we're always trying to include. Um, also the blog is bomb because I write it and, um, (laughs) no, yeah, no, so it's, it's a, it's, it's a fun project. It's really, it's, um, it's simple. It's simple and it's beautiful. Like anyone can help. Uh, yes, you can do a donation or whatever, but you can help by easily promoting the golden rule in your, in yourself and in your social circles. It makes a huge difference to even bring it up. Like even if you're a meeting to bring up like, Hey, you guys, let's just remember the golden rule. And people will be like, the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated or listen to others as you want to be mm. listened. What a, what a concept. You just start something like that. It gives a different feeling to the gathering. It, it makes you feel more aware of what's going on around you and understanding that there are differences of opinions and we need to understand where those are coming from in order for others to understand where we are coming from with our opinions. Awesome. And that allows you and that allows you to be so open-minded and to be so authentic. Mm-hmm. Because yes, I am living the way that I want to live and I'm not submitting yeah. myself to anyone's dogma or belief system, yeah. but I hope that whoever is on the other side that I'm talking to also has the the thought or or the inner security that they are w- doing what they want to do and we need to honor that in every single living creature 
and I'm saying living creature because it was more than just humans. Like yep. my my dog belongs to that. Children belongs to that, I guess. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Truth, man. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean. Well, so like, it's it, it's just it's nice to be able to see so many uses to that. And so, if anything, if there's anything that you can get out of me from this podcast, would be to remember to be kind, to be compassionate, to realize that there is a point of view to everything. And it's not that we're right or wrong. It's just that we can see things differently. But remember that behind it all, we're all the same. Love it. We're all one. I love that. I love everything about that. Me too. That's freaking awesome. So if people want to connect with you, can they connect with you through, so, through social media? Website, the social media, yeah. So yeah. we have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're pretty like... All Golden Rule Project. Those. Golden Rule Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and then email info at goldenruleproject.org. But honestly, if you just get into the website, you'll Websites, have all, right, the, all yeah. the stuff there. So cool. we'll be sure to you check can find it, it all there. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for spending yes. your Monday night with us. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. You're a magic that was man so awesome. I, if you can't tell, I mean, this is probably the quietest I've ever been because I'm, know, I've been like, like enthralled. Awe, right? I love. <laughs> I, I just, it's so fascinating to me. I just love it. So I super appreciate just hearing your story and hearing like the gratitude from you is so amazing, and it's something I really want to work on. <laughs> so yeah. thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. You're thank stuck, you. Man. Thanks. How awesome was that? Right now, stop whatever you're doing. Go to goldenrealproject.org. They actually have these really cool blankets you can order. Um, and all of this stuff goes to the nonprofit and helping people. So get a blanket, donate, find out how to be a part of the movement. It's pretty freaking fantastic. We're excited to work with Felipe a little bit more. Um, we got some good stuff coming up, so stay tuned for that. We'll, guys, we'll keep you guys posted on whatever Felipe is doing and um, the uh, joint projects that we put together in the future. Pretty excited about that. While you're at it, since you're uh, now on your phone, go to Facebook, Instagram, and make sure to follow Finding Strength Podcast. Make sure to leave us a five-star review on um, the podcast app. Share the podcast with your friends. Get the word out, people. We're uh, excited about all of our new partnerships. We're excited about some potential fantastic guests that we've got coming on. All our guests are fantastic. We've got some big-name people that are hopefully going to get on here soon. Cross your fingers. Some really awesome stuff for you guys. So we need support. If you guys are interested in sponsoring the podcast, please reach out, findingstrengthpodcast.gmail.com or through any of our social media. We are always looking for sponsors. We've had actually quite a few people donate. It's been really helpful. Um, so we can help get the word out and advertise and, and get new equipment and be a part of the world of change. So thanks, guys, for all your support. Love every single one of you and hope that you guys have a fantastic day and we'll see you in two weeks. Podcast coming out every two weeks now rather than every week. That way we can bring you better content. So anyways, we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.